Hello, hello. Welcome to Voices of the Festival. I hope you're doing well. I'm saying hello today from Tokyo, uh, Japan. It's, um, <clears throat> it's late here. It's almost midnight. It's 11 p.m. But it is uh, 10 a.m. in uh, Savannah. And here is Marianne waving to me and I'm going to invite her to join. She's a pro, she invited me instead of me inviting her. Uh, so we connect really quick. Um, I hope you guys are doing well. We are heading to the festival really soon in three weeks. Hello, Marianne. Hello there, how are you? Good, good, see, it, it was easy. Yeah, not so bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's always, it's always a little, if, if, a friend, you know, fearful because it's such a new thing, and sometimes it's hard to. And unfortunately, we can never rehearse the the getting into it. But um, but here we are. Yeah, good. Where are you today? I'm in Sarasota, Florida, which is where our permanent home is. So you and, from, uh, uh, you used to be in Ann Arbor, but yeah, Steve is still in Ann Arbor one more year. Right now he's, uh, my husband Stephen Lussman is upstate New York, but I'm down here with the cat and hoping for no hurricanes. Is it? Is it hurricane season now? Yes. Oh, yes. sorry. Uh, she was a hurricane. <laughs> Look at that actually. Who, who is that? He was a hurricane. Uh, anyway. Um, oh, that that's better. Yeah, now I can see the whole face. So Sarasota, beautiful. Um, weather is, is okay today so yeah, far? No hurricane? Very hot and humid, you know, you expect it this time of year, but it's better than the ice and snow up north in the winter. Definitely, right? definitely, definitely. Um, although you're there now uh, year long, right? Yes. So I um, retired at the end of last year, okay. and I'm here full-time now. Now, okay. uh, I go back and Steve comes back and forth. I go back and forth to Ann Arbor, but basically this is our re full-time residence now. Wonderful, wonderful. And um, I think we we cross in Ann Arbor. I mean, we never met there, but uh, we were in the same town. Very short time. I I I think I moved out right when when Steven started the the position in in Ann Arbor. So quite a bit ago. We're not going to say the years, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> um, good. So, uh, and where are you from originally? Princeton, New Jersey. Okay. Yeah. Did you did you grow up there or did, were you born there? Yes. Uh, so my, I am second generation Italian-American and uh, my all of my grandparents came over and my at that time there was a little community in princeton on the outskirts of the town uh they called it little italy and those people you know they were stonemasons and uh landscapers and they worked at the university you know on the grounds of the university helped building the buildings and uh so our little community you know a couple of streets there was all italian americans so we all knew each other we were all at each other's homes and you know godmothers and cousins and you could walk to everybody's house it was a kind of a idyllic childhood fun 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 and uh Teleze is um spelled with an e at the end is that the original spelling 
Te Leese? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was never, so there's actually a town uh, south and east of Rome uh, that is Te Leese, not T-A-L-E-S-E, but if you go to, you know, ancient history, the I think it was derived from the Te Leese, uh, of ancient times, you know, but yes, so T-E-L-E-S-E -E -E is, that was the way it was always spelled. Right. Because there are not, there are not that many last Italian names with, with an E, there are, but of course the, the majority is either I or O. Right. And, uh, and it's fun to have an E at the end. Yeah. Uh, good. Did you, um, were you able to trace your roots uh, in Italy? Uh, I mean, you said that the town is near Rome, but uh, uh, do you have still family there? Were you able to find? There are Teleses on the island of Ischia. And oh, okay. uh, several years ago, uh, Stephen and I went uh, to sing. Uh, and then we took a little trip and we went to the town of Telese and then we went to the island of Ischia. And uh, actually, so there were two brothers. My, my grandfather and his brother owned a lot of land on the island of Ischia. At that time, they would rent it out to tenant farmers, you know, and it was, everybody was poor. So my grandfather chose to come to America to seek his fortune and the other brother stayed there and took over the land and the tenants and all of that. And that branch of the family became very, very wealthy, as you can imagine. Can there imagine. Were, yeah. Yeah. So there were, uh, you know, uh, hotels and spas and vineyards and, uh, and there, those people are still there. Some of the sons became lawyers and uh, came, went into politics. So, uh, the the summer that we visited, uh, there was a Pietro uh, who was the mayor of uh, Porto Dischia. And we went there, but he was on holiday, so we couldn't meet him. But yeah, they're there. So you have, I'm, I tell you, that's good. That, that I'm sure you have a lot of family, even if you haven't met them. But, but you know for sure that half of those teles in, in Ischia are your cousins somehow. Yes, for sure. But, and in any case, just to do a research in this case is not a bad thing. <laughs> no. I'm going to try to move this down a little sure. bit. One sec. Too many books. I know. You have to see the concoction I, I made here in the hotel with with tissue boxes and and I don't know what else. All kind of boxes. You know, just to make it the perfect height. The right height. Uh, yeah. There we are. And uh, so you're growing in Princeton. Um, what's your, your awakening to, to music and opera? So uh, my sister played the piano. She was, this is kind of a long story, but she was born with one eye that wasn't strong. So the doctor suggested she learn how to re read music. There were no musicians in my family. So she learned how to play the piano. Actually, she, she became quite proficient. And uh, she's 10 years older. So she would play the piano and I would listen and I would dance around. And when I was uh, eight years old, I asked my parents if I could take voice lessons. Uh, 
So I took piano lessons and voice lessons from the same teacher. I joined the church choir. I began to uh, win little competitions in the area. Uh, went to a Catholic all-girl uh, academy convent school. And uh, they had a very strong music department. Uh, Sister Parente did a... Uh, a big uh, show every May to raise money for the school and I played forehand piano and I sang and uh, then it just kind of spiraled and I uh, my teacher there a nun sister Helen Bruno suggested that I apply to Oberlin so uh, that's how I you know I applied I went to New York my father drove me I did an audition I went to Oberlin I got my undergrad I got my grad my uh, a master's there and then right after Oberlin I was hired by the Texas Opera Theater to do leading roles in their touring company and so that's how my career began fantastic how how do you at such a young age decided to sing Ah, so, so church, I loved it. My mother said I was the loudest kid on the block. So I always had a very strong voice and uh, little body, big voice. And uh, just loved singing in church choir. I sang, you know, solos in the school plays and like that. And uh, I loved it. I loved being on the stage and make believe. And uh, I was very, very moved by music it was an escape of, of sorts you know and uh when i think back to the kind of the the seeds of it um i didn't know anything about opera particularly and this nun that i was telling you about sister helen bruno took several of us to philadelphia to see la bohème and uh i remember just being it was magical it was It took me away. I mean, it moved me so much. And and I remember getting the score. It was my first score, La Boheme. And how I still old, have How old were you then when, when you did that trip? Uh, uh, 16. Okay. 15, 16. There was also uh, a, a teen choir group in Trenton, New Jersey. And uh, the man who ran that did little uh, vignettes, a little... Uh, bits of opera, so I got to do Papagena, you know, this is before I went to college, this was high school. Uh, um, let's see, what else? A Marriage of Figaro scene. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it was very early on that I got a taste of what opera would would be for me. Yeah. What, I, what I was surprised is that you at, at eight years old decided without not I mean, you apparently no one else decided that you wanted to take voice lessons. How do you know that this such thing existed? I went to church and I heard the lady sing. And there was this one soprano who had this big, beautiful voice that sang at, uh, you know, midnight mass. And I thought, oh, I want to do that. <laughs> fun, fun. And, and you were already studying piano by then? Yes. Okay. Fantastic. And um, so, and so you went to Oberlin? Yes. For mm -hmm. grad and grad or? Yep. And then started, started working professionally immediately. So I graduated in May and that fall, I think it was November, end of November, 
started doing the Texas Opera Theater. I think the first thing was uh, El Capitan and the Medium or something like that. Right. And uh, we traveled all over by bus and truck through the South. And, uh, you know, you do little performances for kids in school auditoriums, and then you do maybe four performances a week or five performances a week. It was a great way to learn the craft. I know, that's great. What, what is this uh, Texas Opera Theater? in This is before your time. All of the big companies had touring companies. So in order to get their grants, they had to go out into the community. And these little satellite companies, you know, they were funded by Houston Grand Opera or San Francisco Opera. And then they would go out and perform uh, in the communities, take, take opera to the people. Oh, that's great. And so, so these belong, you say, to, to Houston? Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's fantastic. And, and, uh, and um, so um, uh, we, are, we are telling all our audiences that, that you are coming to, uh, to Savannah to direct Madame Butterfly, which you sang more than anyone I know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, and what other repertoire did you start doing in, in the Texas Opera Theater? So, uh, early on, uh, I had a, a lyric soprano voice, but hadn't gotten as, as uh, warm and big as it did later in my career. So I did Marriage of Figaro, I did um, Daughter of the Regiment, I did Juliet, I did, I didn't, I, I wasn't a coloratura soprano, but I could move my voice well, and I had a very good extended top. So, um, you know, let me think in those days what I did. Oh, I did a, a new production of Hansel and Gretel. Gretel. Uh, it first was produced in the, an outdoor theater by the Houston Grand Opera, so brand new. Uh, and then uh, later on, they they brought it into the house, into the main house. So Gretel. Um, let me think in my early days, Don uh, Pasquale, but all, all along in the beginning, I also was doing things like Mimi, my very first butterfly, I covered when I was 24, and then performed when I was 27, that's very young, but my voice had a warmth and a size that I could do it, you know, I could, I could uh, be heard over orchestra. And so I, all along, I was doing roles like that. Then Nedda, uh, Liu, um, uh, let me think, God, so many things, so where, many, a lot where of was your first butterfly. Say again? Where was your first butterfly? Uh, Lake George Opera Festival. Oh, Lake George, I, I was there. Two summers. Um, well, when when we already in in Sarasota, were you in Sarasota then? Sorry, in Sarasota no. or Saratoga. In, in Saratoga, uh, I I work in Lake George Opera Festival, but when they had moved to Saratoga, so the performances were in Saratoga. Yeah. Um, did you also were you in Saratoga or were you in no, Lake no, George? That was way before, so. Uh, Lake George Opera Festival at that time was in a high school auditorium. Okay. Also, Glimmerglass, Glimmerglass Opera began 
in a, an auditorium, a high school auditorium, before they built their theater. So I was in the beginning of all of that. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it would, had a fly space and wings and dressing room. Well, dressing rooms, they were classrooms. But uh, yeah, I mean, they did some very good work there. Diana Soviero sang there. There were some really great artists that, that came through Lake George Opera Festival at that time. Yeah. Yeah, it was one of the the oldest and more traditional with Marcella, you know, starting with Marcella Sembridge the, uh, at that point. So, so that that goes back. Yeah, one of the first opera summer festivals uh, in the country um, and in that area, as, as you know, together mm -hmm. with Chautauqua, which is all all in uh, in that area. Yeah, right. So um, fantastic. And so that was your, your first butterfly. And um, in, in how was how was doing butterfly? So, so we were I, I uh, was very, very fortunate. Uh, there was um, a man, a, a Japanese uh, artist uh, who was at the University of Illinois Champaign-Urbana. And uh, he came to direct, Shozo Sato. And uh, we did authentic uh, kimonos. We built, he, with his instruction, we built our own wigs. We learned the real kabuki makeup where you put wax on your face first. Uh, we spent hours walking around learning how to move like a geisha with your little head and your little feet. and how to use the fans, how to use the sleeves. The, my first experience with Butterfly built the texture of my performance throughout. The, it was always there. The seeds of that were always there. I always had that knowledge and instruction in every performance and production I did. Many times, the director would depend on me to teach the chorus women how to move <laughs> and uh, you know how what to do um, and um, it was it was an experience that i never ever took for granted or forgot well wow. it was well, good and 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 you've done many butterflies say again you have done many butterflies many everybody wanted me for the part because i'm at that time i was five feet and three quarters of an inch tiny and, and as you can see even at age 72 i have kind of a little pixie face so from a distance i always looked 15 mm. and uh it served they, they had the boys People always said, how did such a big voice come out of such a little girl? Well, I had the voice and I had the look. And Dorf, uh, I sang of the 1904 version in Leeds, England. So yeah, everybody wanted me for Butterfly. And, and Susanna in the Marriage of Figaro, which is kind of interesting. Right quite different in, in terms of the, the amount of sound, although both of them very long shows. Very long. Very long shows. Um, so how was your, your, let's say, 
you 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 said you've done it almost like 300 times so i mean more than 300 times <laughs> many of those were on tour so you you know you go months and performance 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 uh i did two tours for new york city opera of butterfly i also sang uh it in the house and then the 1904 version two seasons in a row so new york city opera a lot of performance for them either on tour or in the house uh, the leeds and opera north leeds england that was also a touring company so that was that many many so yeah production after production after i can't even tell you all the places that i sang it because they would put me on a bus i would arrive at 4 30 I would get into my room, I'd eat my dinner, and I'd go to the theater, they put my makeup on, I sang Butterfly. I didn't even know where I was. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, uh, how, um, I was going to say, so, so you do these this tours in, in the, the States and in Europe. How, how was your first European experience of, of, at all? I mean, that was your first show in Europe? Yes, that was my, my first show in Europe. Mm -hmm. um, it was the, the company was lovely uh, I was it there for many what is now uh, Opera North yeah it's in uh, a central Leeds England yeah. it, that's where we, yeah uh, it was the company was great uh, wonderful production great colleagues uh conductor and yeah i enjoyed it very much i was there a long time and it was over winter uh over christmas actually too uh and uh, i i think the thing that was most shocking for me was um <laughs> you're gonna laugh their heating system so you know i mean we're so spoiled here uh, i remember the little place they put me up i had to put coins in the meter to heat the apartment wow. it was so wild and take the bus i had to take the bus to the rehearsal hall and but it was uh, a very nice experience the 1904 version that's another whole story uh you know people always want to do something new and that's never been done and updating and all that well uh there was a time everybody wanted to do the 1904 version which is not as good it does not have the dramatic impact uh it is more lower voice for the butterfly so some things are down an octave actually uh the one thing it did do the 1904 version expanded the characterizations of some of the minor characters and also some of the relationships like between suzuki and butterfly uh, uh uncle yakosidi has a whole scene you know uh, you, it, it fleshes out, uh, as I said, some of the relationships and the characters, but I understand after, uh, working on it and performing it, I understand why, uh, it wasn't a big hit when it was first produced, but the version we do now, oh my God, the impact dramatically is, uh, I mean, it, it's a perfect piece. If right. you just do what's on the page it's a perfect piece oh, everybody by butterfly so um i'm telling to to the audience what we're talking about is 
Um, the 1904 is the is the original version. Is how he premiered in Venice, and and then it, it was not as successful as Bohem and or Tosca. So he actually by 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 Puccini's standards by that time it was not successful at all. And so he really worked it out. What I don't remember is when when he presented a new version. I don't know that. Yeah, I don't remember I don't either. But that. it wasn't too long um, after that. And um, and so he presented a short, in a way, a shorter version, uh, kind of. In fact, I'm not sure if he did it as a two acts or or also already was a three. Also, it was a three act um, because the the common practice of, of putting second and third together that they happen on the same evening in a way at the same day um it's i mean it is it is taxing for the for for the butterfly but it is better for for everyone but all other standards the the flow is better the the connection between two and three is fantastic and um so so, so the 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 again, Latino Four is the original, much longer. Uh, I actually never heard it. Um, I never heard the original version. So, I know they have done it, and uh, uh, so so it, it will be interesting to see. I didn't know that that also that it was lower. Uh, and um, is there any any substantial more music for Butterfly in the original version? Uh, no, but it, the, no. Uh, actually, I it. Um, I'm, let me think now. I can't remember exactly, but the the, the final aria had had no impact. It didn't have the punch that it has in the version today. I can't remember about the uh, second act aria. How different? I think that was kind of intact. But uh, I mean, for, for me. Luckily, I had enough middle voice uh, that I could be heard over the orchestra. I can see how some sopranos might struggle with that version to really be heard. Uh, but I just felt dramatically like everything was kind of under a cloud in terms of the, uh, you know, what, what one expects now emotionally from the music uh, mm -hmm. in that piece. So I just, the one thing that, that it did do it didn't it add the the tenor aria in the la in his last aria was not origin in the original so i think but the tenors were happy <laughs> uh so so adio seal was in in the original i don't oh, think wow. so yeah yeah that's, that's it that's yeah, a that's sad miss <laughs> yeah that's a sad miss because then then it makes the tenor almost not not i mean in the first act uh, but then then we almost forget him and uh, and we want that less, regret. less sympathetic makes yeah yeah we want the regret and uh and you know it's, it's a complicated story but uh but we want to hear his point of view his approach to the story right so yeah. um have you when you i'm curious after doing it so many times what do you remember about your first experience with Butterfly? The very, very first time? No, 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 
I mean, maybe yes, when you you sang it, but your first experience with either the first time you saw it or the first time you heard about it or the first time you experienced it somehow. Yeah, so I I think the most vivid thing is uh, when I was 24 and I was covering at at Lake George Opera. I was a a young artist and covering, and I I just I well, I mean the the story you know the 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 idea of true love complete loyalty and belief and hope the uh hurt and then the ultimate sacrifice so the span of the emotion i i mean what what puccini the words said and what the mu how the music supported that arc of emotion Ocean that the butterfly experiences it's just so it just grabs you you know it's like you can't you can't forget you can't let go the experience of not not necessarily singing it but seeing it experiencing it even if somebody else is doing it that that uh uh perfect i mean uh, to me it's like a perfect arch i mean the hope the love the sincerity the belief the you know she he's coming back you know he'll return and then realizing that that's not the truth that he he's forgotten her oh no that's what sharpless says i mean that's what she's told and then the complete heartbreak because she she stood against everyone her family her goro the uh uh her her friend now and servant suzuki i mean she's the one who stands firm you're all wrong and i'm right and then she finds out that that's she was wrong right and then the ultimate sacrifice for this this boy you know this son this object of her love to to give up one's life for him i mean that's I mean it's it's I don't know how anyone could see that and not be moved and that that just just got me. Right. Great. Good. Yeah, I um I always I remember the first time I saw it, it was actually the the movie version that Conlon conducted with with uh, Torswell and I cannot remember who Sam Butterfly but uh, um but this I I I somehow I don't know why I thought I knew was going how it was going to end, but but in any case this this belief of her that this this hope and and especially when she thinks that she she was right after when he when we see that the the, the ship came back and it's 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 preemptively heartbroken heartbreaking uh, heartbreak I don't know breaking i don't know how to say that but uh that that you you see that it's 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 going you know you know it's not going to happen but she believes it and 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 that that happiness that joy of of her of her wishes uh, of her trust uh that that she thinks are fulfilled and and even even and before before i you know what's going to happen you feel like it's it's already 
so sad. You know, um, what's interesting about that moment that you're talking about when she sees the boat in the harbor and uh, she says to Suzuki, he came, he came, I told you, I told you. I have never done a performance where the audience didn't go nuts there. They, it's like they feel the, the joy with her. And, the, and of course, the music supports yeah. it, right? Uh, just at the point, just at the moment when everyone lost hope, I told you he came. And it's just, you know, they go crazy. They, they, they applaud over the orchestra for like minutes. Yeah. Because they they want they want it to be happy. They the audience is with Butterfly there. They they feel the joy that she feels. You know that's a, that's a big moment. Yeah, it's always a big moment. It's it's gorgeous. And then the other the opposite. The to what to me one of the saddest moment is the her uh, dialogue with Kate. Well, yeah, before that is uh, when she, she's running around looking for him, looking for him, and then she sees this woman. That's the moment. It's yeah. like, who's that? who is that woman? That's it. She yeah. says the words. She already knows. It stops, yeah. stops her in her tracks. That's it. That's from that moment down. It goes down. Then, she, then, it's, then it's all about the boy. Then it's all about, she knows from that moment that she has to give the son up why else would he be there he came for his son and already she's thinking beyond what's what's gonna happen once i give him up so yeah it's perfect yeah it's it's quite quite a beautiful beautiful piece um have you sung uh, you said that you sang mimi have you sung other uh Buccinis? Yes, of course, both roles in Bohem, Liu, uh, Suor Angelica. I did only a, a uh, concert version of Suor Angelica, but oh my God, what a, let's talk about another emotional piece. I, I mean, you know, another one. It's the same, you know, the, the boy, you know, the, the baby and the loss of that that's just that's another wonderful 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 i mean he was such a master at that you know getting getting in there and twisting twisting your heart he knows how to how to make you feel things and 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 yes. they are yeah he's dealing with great human emotions and and uh and he knows how to empathize with them and and connect I um I think there is operas and butterflies as gorgeous, but in a way I always say that Swarangelica is, is my favorite. This is the prettiest. It's so pretty. And um and there's something about the the uh, the relationship with the religious that is unusual in, in because in, in Puccini's always people relationship and there's no there's no tragic element it's always drama which is different there's no there's no relation to the supernatural uh in or or the you know the the gods like like a tragedy will be in which the faith is is set right 
but in the the relationship in in, in Sor Angelica with with the the supernatural the religious is is so special and when, when the miracle happened I don't know. I I, re I did it last summer in 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 Mexico, and every time I will get goosebumps uh, <laughs> of that of that big unison in in E minor. Uh, it's just fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's great. That's great. I did uh, uh, Tosca one time, one time in Dayton, Ohio. You mentioned Tosca. I was the smallest Tosca ever. <laughs> I had the voice for it, but not the you know, the glamour and the height for it. So, but it was, it was a wonderful piece to perform. Great. Yes, interesting Dayton. Uh, my partner Howard is, is from Dayton. So um, there's always a relationship to Dayton somehow. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good. Um, and yet it is, it is the, the way that Puccini uh, makes theater, uh, music theater is just, it's so, so beautiful. Um, how was it, uh, your transition into directing and, and working from this other point of view? Yeah, so, so <clears throat> uh, later in my career, I think 1997 or 1998, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> uh, people began to ask me, the first thing I did was direct and perform Butterfly. Two oh, times wow. I did, yeah. So how is that going to work? So because I, I was, you know, I mean, I could roll out of bed and sing Butterfly at that point. So I had a young artist that was right for Butterfly come and cover me and do all the rehearsals. And then and dress rehearsal, I would step into the role. It was a trick. <laughs> Um, because dress rehearsal, you know, you, I need somebody in the theater, you know, the lighting and the props and the this and the that wanted to make sure that, you know, from the perspective of the director, everything was okay. So then I had an assistant director and they would film it for me and, and that's how it worked. But, uh, I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, it was hard, uh, and from that, then people began to ask me to then just direct, which of course, much better. Um, I started on that path, I think I did Traviata, Marriage of Figaro, I did an Aida with elephants and uh, uh, wildcats, yeah, birds flying down from the balcony, and that was in Birmingham, Alabama. With elephants? Elephants. Yeah, Radames came in on an elephant. A, an elephant. Yeah. How do you get an elephant in yeah. Birmingham? The zoo, and they brought the elephant. We we had animals on stage. It was amazing. They were out on, on the side of the theater in, uh, uh, you know, campers and crates, and it was it was very interesting. I mean, that doing that procession was the hardest thing, right? Coordinating the animals, and you couldn't have the the elephant near the 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 cat and uh, I think there was a snake uh, and then the birds we had to have these birds of prey f fly down from the balcony and then land on the arm of the trainer who was in the procession it was good it was really it was fun uh, oh. I had a great cast and uh, spectacle incredible 
Yeah, so that was really great. I mean, I enjoyed directing. The reason I didn't continue down that path was I was now, you know, later in my 40s and uh, Steve was going to take this position. You know, so I I was married to those who don't know, I was married to a singer. So we would, I would be here, he would be there, we'd fly, I'd go visit him, I'd be gone for three weeks, I'd be gone for five. It was a very difficult life. Uh, And directing, it might have been a shorter period of time that I was gone, but it was the same thing, right? So you fly to a city, you stay in a hotel, you're away from home. And now Steve was going to uh, take a permanent position at the University of Michigan. And I, I don't know. I just didn't, I felt like I needed something else. I was still singing. I was going to do my first Desdemona in Montreal. And uh, I had other things scheduled. But I'm, I had an injury. I had an injury in my left shoulder, uh, two tears in my rotator cuff. And I went to a doctor at the University of Michigan, and he said, you have to go and have therapy and la, la, la. And I said, oh, no, I'm going to sing my first Desdemona in Montreal, and I have to. I'm leaving in January. He said, not if you ever want to move that arm. So I had to cancel that. Now I'm, you know, in Ann Arbor, and it's the winter, and I don't know anyone. And and I met this woman, another Italian-American. And we were, Stephen and I were looking for a house and we were driving around the town and uh, she said to me, uh, you know, if you, you ever would like to get off the road and do something else, I think you'd make a great realtor. I said, what? I've been singing since I was eight. What? And uh, I don't know. It just kind of all, you know, this one door opens, another one closes, you know. And I I thought, okay, I'm stuck with this arm for four months. I can't do anything. I have to stay here. So I became a realtor. And I did that. I let the directing go. I let the singing go slowly. But, I mean, I fulfilled the contracts that I had. And I became a very successful realtor in Ann Arbor, Michigan for 22 years. Wow. So that was chapter two. Uh, and that's why I didn't do more. Uh, you know, I mean, like anything, you have to give it 100% if you want to be successful. So once I realized that we could, I could help us have a secure retirement, I let the opera world go. And now I was in a new phase of my life so that's what i did well obviously you you enjoyed it's not just i mean the the the, the financial uh, security but sure you do you, you like the the interaction the people the the, the selling the the visiting right well you know there are certain skills that i had that worked for example when i was directing think about it this way when i was directing i was setting the stage and the proscenium right well it's the same thing when people walk in a house when people walk in a house you set the stage so i was doing my own uh staging of furniture and things i could write ad copy so i had the language skill i could communicate and i 
uh, could negotiate. How many times do we negotiate our own contracts in the music world, you know? So I had these skills, which I could then move from one career to another. And of course, if you can sing and do this, you can do anything. If you can be a successful singer, you have the brain to do anything you choose. So that's, that was what I chose and it, it worked for us, it worked for me. Fun, fun, good. And then, then you were you were in your real estate uh, hat, and until yeah, I mean you retired recently. Yeah, last at the end of last year, I did. Yeah. Oh, well, very recently. And then, and then, uh, why they moved to? I mean, why specifically uh, Sarasota? So I actually sang here on one of the tours. <laughs> New York City opera tour or whatever one I was on and uh, I liked Sarasota I mean it's a uh, it's a vacation destination and uh, we had friends that were here and uh, we came for a little trip for Steve's 60th birthday and we looked around and I thought as a realtor I thought hmm if I can find the right property uh, we should buy an investment property and rented it out so that's what we did that was seven years ago i think and then with in our in my mind that we eventually would retire here when it was time so that's how it happened it was something you know opera brought me here to experience it first and then you know with a little bit of thought and and a little bit of uh investment you know this is this is where we wound up. It's beautiful here. It's hot now, but it's beautiful. It is. It is. It is beautiful in in Southwest Florida. Um, uh, going back to the directing uh, for a second, um, how was different to direct Butterfly than singing? Uh, well, so not all directors have the perspective of the performer, right? right? So one of the things that I could bring and hopefully will bring to our production is the detail and the relationships. So this is something uh, that you only have you only know it's lacking when you're inside the body, the mind of a singer, right? So you, for example, you, uh, you have performers that don't, if you have performers that don't think um, uh, motivation or reaction, a lot of singers that don't have experience uh, don't understand that a lot of acting is reacting. So in order to react in a language that you don't speak, you really have to know every single nuance and word that's being sung on the stage, even if it's somebody on the other side of the stage. And if, you, if it's something the character is supposed to overhear, there has to be some recognition and uh, reaction to that in the character. So I think what I brought as a director was the perspective from the inside out. 
and not everybody has that. I think, I think that I can add a lot of detail uh, that has to be felt. I don't know if, if I'm explaining this exactly right. But especially with young singers or people who haven't done the role, I can make them think about those things. And then the texture of the performance beyond the singing, right, which is what you do, is it adds so much um, texture and fiber and fabric to the performance, you know. Uh, well, you'll see. The other thing that I, I'm really looking forward to is the small theater that we have. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be like acting for a movie because oh, yeah. the audience can see everything. It's, you know, not so far away. And uh, every expression, every reaction, every tension of the body will be seen. So for me, that's uh, wonderful. You know, all those things that we're going to do will not be lost or only seen by the first five rows. It'll be seen by everybody. So it's going to be great. It, it is, and and uh, now you, you know, of course, you know intimately, butterfly. But uh, how how do you connect with with Pinkerton or or Sharpless, by the way? So, well, I can't. I've never sung those parts. So that's true. But having performed so with so many great tenors and baritones and mezzo sopranos and. Uh, having experienced the relationships i mean we develop it right so you i speak to uh sharpless the way i speak to the butterfly you know what do, what do you think you're thinking when she says that what is your feeling about taking this letter out of your pocket you know what how how do you feel about her delaying your conversation because she's giving you tea you know so i know the questions to ask to help the singer make the decision. See, the thing is, acting, you don't have, there's no right or wrong choice, but you have to make a choice. Yeah. So it's, I can get in the head of a tenor or a baritone or a mezzo, doesn't matter. Or the baby, for example. Right. You know, sorrow. You know, I have to speak to the baby. This is what, this is what your mother is saying, and this is how you feel about it. And, in this place, I want you to touch her face because she's so pretty, or whatever. You know, we have to. I have to have that trust and relationship with everybody that's on the stage, so that we can find their performance together. To, to bring it sorrow, what was the most unusual approach to sorrow in 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 any of the productions that you have done? Unusual approach to sorrow. Because obviously having having a kid, it's it's always a little complicated, and especially if you want it to be three years old, which is probably not the case. But I think our sorrow is five years, uh, four years old. Yeah. So I think it's going to be pretty. I think it's going to be pretty close. Um. So uh, I think. Uh. Well, I will tell you. The production that I was in that moved me the most, that I thought made the best choice, is when the child, the child has been looking at this portrait of Pinkerton since he was a baby. So there's a portrait of, 
Pinkerton there. And she probably says, this is your papa, you know, this is your father. He's going to come and take us back to America, whatever she's been telling him. When the baby sees Pinkerton at the end, when he comes on stage, I think he recognizes him as the person in the portrait. And I think he's, he is not afraid. I think he goes right up to him, either lifting his arm or waving a little flag or giving him his boat or something. I think that we, as an audience, feel like this child is going to be taken care of. The relationship has already started between the father and the boy. You know, I, I like it that way. I mean, I, I would like us to do it that way. We'll see how it all works out. But to me, that's the most moving uh, version of what sorrow does, Dolora does, uh, that I've ever experienced in a production. Right. Yeah, this seems to be very heartbreaking in a way. I know it's 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 a little happy in that sense, but but the, there's something very very touching and 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 sad about it. I don't know. Uh, and, and to be to to see that relationship and the sacrifice that 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 make that happen in a way or or the result of that relationship is that it was very yeah I can see that it's very touching that's great yeah good excellent well we're looking forward to uh, to uh, have you in Savannah and uh, I look forward to doing this production together and uh, it's going to be really really a, a momentous occasion it's the first time butterfly has been done in savannah and uh we are very happy that we will be at the savannah culture all center and you know as right now i'm in japan oh you <laughs> uh, I'm, uh i am in japan yeah here is uh it's almost midnight and um because I, I i work here with the tokyo international vocal arts academy that i founded so all uh, many, many of the, all the characters are coming from from Japan. So it's going to be also a, a very special occasion for for all of us. So we're all very excited. Yeah, thank you. looking forward all to right. it. Well, thank you, thank you so much, and everyone, thank you for joining us in the in these voices of the festival. I will see you in two weeks when we talk to. Uh, in fact, one of the Japanese characters, uh, Taka um, uh, Komagata, that is going to be playing um, uh, Goro, uh, he's going to be our next guest. What? All right. So we'll see you soon. And uh, thank you, Marianne. And, um, and I will see you uh, in, in a couple of weeks. Okay, sounds good. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. bye.